Welcome, and thanks for tuning in. You must be pondering some fantasy sports questions. Well, good news, because you just turned into another episode of Keepers, Sleepers, and Creepers with John and Paul. Well, another episode, and uh, we get to see how we called all those people on the disabled list last week. They're all back. Yeah, we're starting to see it. A couple of these guys getting healthy and... uh... It's an interesting time seeing all these stars come back and shake up the dynamic of a lot of the trades that are available and the value of people in the league. I can't remember the last time, you know, five of those huge name people come off the DL within seven days of each other. <laughs> Never. <So. laughs> Pretty neat. It's nice to see them all back. It allows a lot of swapping and a lot of uh, changing of positions and different things in fantasy sports. So, cool yeah. beans. Even the hard decisions of which borderline bench people to cut, and that's where we got you back. All the yeah. creepers that are borderline, we'll it. try to help you out. You got it. Or creepers that are borderline you want to trade, and when it comes to big names, because you don't want to cut those big names. That's true. It's even more efficient if you can do that. Way more. So, welcome to another episode of Keepers, Sleepers, and Creepers, where we go through fantasy land based on the sport and the time of the season, and we tell you what you need to do. Um, like right now. Tim, uh, Tim Anderson, probably look at uh, backup plans since he just went down with an injury and it looks pretty ugly. Hate so to hear that. yeah, you hate to hear that. Keep you updated. But Especially. keepers, those are people that we say, hey, they're legit. Keep them. Or hey, don't worry about that slump. Trade for them. Sleepers, hey, they're legit too. Buy into what they're doing and pick them up. Or hey, good job, you've already picked them up. Run with them. And then creepers, these people are. St- Scary, their stats are lying, or their stats are telling the truth, and the slump is more of an indication of a season-long shindizzle. So, that's what we do here, and for baseball, we keep it pretty simple. Our segment is based on Keepers, Sleepers, and Creepers, and we go in that order for you, and uh, we break down players that you want to hear about. Yes. And so a lot of the results that we're talking about aren't going to be super short-term. So over the last few weeks, we're going to try to talk about different players a little bit. So a lot of our previous podcasts, we still pretty much stand behind most of what we're talking about. Situations obviously change, and the dynamic does change, but I try to keep at least most of those people in the forefront. So if you want more info, a lot of those old ones aren't too bad to listen to, too. We'll try to give you the up-to-date information on a weekly basis. You got it. So... Starting with keepers, do you have a keeper you're really wanting to shout out to this evening? Yeah, I think it's one that we both agree on, but I think it's just worth mentioning again because I think the stock price is just rising so rapidly. I think it's time to buy because I think it's real. And that's Malik Smith, Seattle outfielder. We talk about him plenty, especially preseason. He's owned in 58% of leagues, but over the last 30 games, he's or 30 days, I should say, 30 days. Uh, he's batted 311 with 22 runs scored, three home runs, and 17 RBI with 13 stolen bases. That puts him as the seventh most valuable fantasy asset from the, that last 30-day period. I think that's showing that this is very much heating up, and the stolen bases that he gives you when he's playing the way he should, he's one of the few stolen base option threats that's a free agent or an mm-hmm. achievable for a low buy-in price mm-hmm. where you're going to get top-tier stolen base numbers that doesn't hurt your batting average. I, I love him. Yeah. I, I don't know how he's not owned in 75% of leagues going forward. I guess it's just because I've felt that way he was going to get to this point the whole time, and I guess that slump was extremely bad. And then being sent down to the minors all hurts a ton. But I'm fully on board again. I would just want to stress the fact that I think he needs to be owned in every league because there's not many people that give you stolen bases this way. 
And that's just such an important stat to be able to make sure you secure with a guy like him. I love him so much. I don't have much to add. I would just echo what you said. But I will add a bold claim, which I make often on the show. I do like bold claims. And more often than not, they're correct. Or at least they referenced the fact that they're true. Yes. True. And um, my claim is that he's more valuable than Alberto Mondesi for the rest of the season. That is a bold claim. Bold claim. Uh, of course, the second base shortstop eligibility is something that you wish that Malik Smith had. Yeah. Um, that Alberto has that he'll never gain. But uh, with the IL right now for Alberto, and uh, I just think Malik Smith, he, he's going to shine, especially because I think D. Gordon gets traded and batting leadoff is going to be Malik Smith for the rest of the season in Seattle. So uh, you got to feel good if you got him. I think he's the base, best base dealer in baseball for, for everything else. It's hard for me to argue. So I think he's so dang good. Yeah, pick him up. I, I'm, I believe, and I think season long for sure, he's definitely worth having all the way through the second half. Yeah. All right, cool. We're off to an agreeable start. Last episode was one of our more agreeable segments. Yeah, there was a lot of different ones that were super agreeable, almost like we were cheating and uh, talking about <laughs> things, but we weren't. I promise. We never do. So, who is your top keeper this week? Um, I just want to go with Hunter Dozier. There's a lot of people that me and you shake our heads at, and uh, we'll talk about them tonight, but 69% for Hunter Dozier is just incorrect. Uh, I don't understand that. First base, third base eligibility, batting in the middle of that Royals lineup, and he is just such a solid hitter. That he gives you a ton, plenty of pop, but he's going to give you RBIs. Wonderful advanced profile, and you've got to love a K rate of just 18.9% with a walk rate of 12 I mean, that is just so good. Great launch angle, just everything. And he's batting right there um, for Kansas City with a very aggressive, uh, you know, mindset that they have with that lineup. It's paying off with a ton of caught stealing this year. But he's just healthy, and he should be owned in everything. He's got 28 runs, 12 homers, 38 RBIs, and batting 305 on the season. Just so solid. Yeah, not one weak stat really lying in there. So you're getting a complete player. Yeah. So... Yeah, he's my keeper. He just sixty nine percent's too low for other people that are owned higher than him. Or just meh. Yeah. But yeah, can't disagree. He's definitely a guy that should be owned in more leagues. And in all my leagues, he's been owned since the very beginning. And I think that's a testament to a little bit of bad luck on my part, but also uh, the fact that he is quite good and should be owned in those leagues. I, w- I wouldn't let him sit out in free agency if he was out there. Either. Yeah. Um, I'll go with a guy that's also more highly rated, but I'm just kind of talking about I still believe in him, and that's Noah Syndergaard um, from the Mets, starting pitcher, owning 98% of league, so he's not, you're not going to get him for free. But he's on the IL right now with a low-grade hamstring pull, so that's not necessarily a very catastrophic injury by any means. But I just can't believe how good his advanced stat profile is and how strong his fastball velocity is sitting right now. But yet his 4.55 ERA with a 1-2-1 whip and 93Ks and 95 innings just doesn't make sense. Like, his 1.21 whip is exactly the same as last season. His K rate it was 155 and 154 innings, so it's basically the one per inning mark the same way as it was last year. And almost every advanced stat profile stat is pretty much in the same standard deviation as from last year as well. So that 4.5 ERA seems like a complete fluke to me. I can't see a reason to why he's going to stay in that general tier. And he's not his 1.21 uh, whip is the clearest indicator of that to me. He's not putting extra people on base than normal, and his stuff looks good. So I think he's a great guy that you can trade for, and a, he's a good guy to buy low because f- he's on the IL right now, um, if you can. 
I just don't know if there's a better investment for going forward in the second half of having a great pitcher, especially with the track record for the Mets just generally having good pitchers yeah. as well. And maybe like on his DL IL snip that you know pitching coach will tell him like, hey, you got to quit throwing your hamstring. <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe. Maybe that's why he's not. <laughs> Those hamstring pitches. I don't think you really want to be <laughs> aiming for the calf muscle carrying yeah. through a lot of your power there. Oh, man. Oh, well. Uh, I don't have much to add. Um, my technique is, uh, if you've listened all season long, I don't roster starting pitchers in head-to-head, which I frequent head-to-head more than rotisserie and all the other leagues and everything. And uh, I've run out my relief pitchers. And I sacrifice wins. I sacrifice strikeouts. But... That allows me to dominate the other uh, categories and to win a vast majority of games, and that's how that's my strat. So I don't have much to add on the starting pitching when John brings it up, but there you go. And I sounds legit to me. So what's another keeper? Another starting pitcher. Are you ready for it? Let's do it. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give you a. I admit defeat. I have no logical explanation for why everything I said preseason was wrong in this guy, but I have to finally admit Charlie Morton is indeed a good starting pitcher and a guy that I think you have to start respecting, even in his ability to play in the second half based on his age. He's owned in 90% of leagues right now, so he's not going to be free, but all of you people that drafted and didn't listen to me, well done. You can get all your laughs out now. He's having an extraordinary season. Eight wins, 2.31 ERA, 1.02 whip, 113 Ks and 92 or 93 innings pitched. He's just doesn't look like he's even going to regress from his advanced stat profile. The only thing that looks average is his fastball velocity, but his curveball like spin and everything else from his pitch standpoints looks excellent. All of his advanced stats for the projection for expected batting average, opponent slugging percentage, everything all down the line is plus for him. So. I think some minor aggression is probably going to happen because a 2-3 ERA is exceptional, and based on his career numbers, it doesn't add up. Yeah. But I think he's just learned how to pitch later on in his career. His, he's got to have better location. And I, If I was a career number four pitcher, I would sign with the Astros. Why not? I would just sign with them for like a one- or two-year deal, and then they would do their miracle work on me, with, blow their... Pixie dust, and then their King Midas touch right yep. on your arm, and it just, everything just turns to gold. Every pitch you throw, and then I would take that uh, pixie dust treatment and <laughs> get a long-term stupid deal from other team, and then just suck. <laughs> Ride it out. You don't have to try you're not anymore. In anymore. It's just all the magic's gone. So that's yeah. what I would do, but I'll never have that opportunity. I don't know. It just doesn't make sense to me that a 35-year-old guy is pitching his best baseball in his early 30s. And heading into his mid-30s, he's even better than normal. Like, this is his best K rate that you can almost see since forever. Right. And he's 35. And, uh, I mean, A.J. Burnett and Ivan Nova and all these different people into Pittsburgh have had success. But at the same time, Charlie Morton and Garrett Cole, who did not have success really in (laughs) Pittsburgh, and then they come to Houston, and it's like... Oh, they're actually very good. This fixes everything. I don't get it. So, he's good. I, I can't say... I have to finally admit that he's a keeper. I think going forward. He's yeah. just... There's, I don't think you can trade him for anybody that's worth more. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I just think Morton's good. And so, I'm looking at him and I believe. So, you got the K rate. You got the ERA. You got the wins. It's all good. All right. All right. Keeper, uh, I don't have any starting pitchers to ever add, but I got two relievers tonight that uh, should be on, on rosters. And one right now is obvious because Trinan is out, and that's Liam Hendricks. And 
He's owned in 41%, so, but I'm still calling him a keeper because that's kind of high for a reliever. Yeah. And uh, he just needs to be kept long-term, even if Trinan comes back, because Trinan is not – he's a creeper for me tonight. And uh, Hendricks on the season has 42.1 innings pitch. He's got three wins on the season, which is nice for a reliever. 50 strikeouts to 17 walks, 1.49 ERA with a 2.48 uh, FIP, and then a 1.063 whip. He's just been the best reliever in that athletics bullpen, in my opinion. Already getting the saves while Trinan is out, and uh, could potentially keep it based on how bad Trinan has been, and there's no timeline on Trinan. So I, I'll go ahead and um, we can just talk about Trinan Hendricks if you have stuff to say. And with the shoulder, a right rotator cuff strain where he's shut down right now with no timetable to resume activity. On the seasons in Trinan's, got 35 innings pitched. 36 to 21 strikeout to walk ratio, 4.08 uh, ERA with a 4.72 uh, FIP and a 1.52 WHIP. I mean, that's just a horrible stat line. And on the season, I, I'm I was glad to call that preseason that Trinan wasn't as near as high. When you looked at my closer mm-hmm. list before the season, I mean, he was way down there. Yeah. And and I think we even you like I think you even brought it up and we talked about it and I. It, last year was so fluky. It, it didn't even make sense because it was so astronomically good. Yeah. Like, it was unbelievably out of nowhere. doesn't add up. Which I don't know why they didn't trade him. Look, <laughs> it really should have. Especially being the athletics who you can't afford to overpay right. for people or overvalue people based on past performance if you don't expect it to continue. And, I mean, that's 2020, but I didn't really pay attention to it last year that much. But, yeah. Anyways. I, I just think I, Hendricks is... I think he could keep the job, and I think he could turn out some great closer numbers for you. I don't see why not. And if he doesn't, you still got a very good reliever. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He reminds me of basically the, one of the best arms in the league when you look at his advanced stat profile. The K rate's way above his innings pitched. His whip's good. His ERA's excellent. Uh, I, I don't know. Like no. You just look at Trina, and his walk percentage is so far up. Oh, my god! He has 21 walks this year, and he, and he has 21 not... all of last right. year total. People had high hopes for him with Washington, but he still was not that. He just panned out one that year or last year with Oakland. Yeah, he put together... Let's not think that he's some legit closer, been doing this for a long time, dude. And it's like, I mean, everyone should want training on your team going into the season. But like you said, he was probably overvalued. He was very overvalued. And then the regression's even more than what I expected based right. on his stats. But, I mean, there's so many warning signs that he's just not pitching well. I think, yeah, Liam Hendricks, I have him as a sleeper just based on his, like, ownage rate, Yeah, I, guess. I get why you would do that. But, uh, yeah, he definitely needs to be owned. Right. I mean, his numbers and his arm by himself, even if he doesn't get save opportunities, is going to be a plus to any any fantasy team with the way he's pitching so far this year. And it, and it looks like he will continue to pitch. Yeah. And then if he gets that closer role for an Oakland team that plays in a lot of close games, mm-hmm. he's one of the top-notch guys you might be able to get yeah. going forward. And then in the same facet, then I will mention my other keeper, who is a reliever, um, John Gant, who just needs to be owned. Just an incredible year so far. 41 innings pitched, 37 strikeouts to 12 walks, 2.4 ERA with a 3.21 FIP. So uh, maybe a little bit. Both of my relievers looks like they're a little bit higher, but FIP I don't like as much as I do on starters um, for relievers. I don't think it's as accurate. It just likes to confirm a good season with a .871 whip. Uh, we know Hicks is out, and it looks like GM and everybody's saying that Martinez is going to close, but Martinez has already taken a trip down to AAA earlier in the year. Um, who says he's going to keep this job all season long? And Gant, I think, would be the first person to benefit. And even if he doesn't, I mean, he's getting wins for you. He's 
giving you good stats. He's at 64%, and that's accurate. I think he needs to be owned. He is a keeper to me as a reliever. He's not going to hurt you more often than he's going to help you. Um, and, I mean, like I said, Martinez, he's already got two blown saves to go along with his two saves, so he's at 50%. You don't like to see that for a closer. So I think you need to own John Gant because you could have another season-long closer on your team. Took the words right out of my mouth. I was just going to say... It's interesting because both of them are owned highly, and I understand why both are. I, I really, truly do. But on the 23rd of June, the reports were coming out from like Yahoo.com where they were reporting that Gant is for sure going to be involved in some form as the closer. So it mm-hmm. sounded like a little bit more like committee to me mm-hmm. with the way that report was coming out. But then on the 25th, they came out and said, yes, Martinez is the closer. Right. So... If two days ago they didn't know what they were going to do with Martinez, I don't think he has a long leash. And like you said, Gant looks very good. And Martinez, like you said, has also had problems staying at the major league level due to injuries and otherwise in his in the past. Gant just seems like a more interesting arm, and his stat profile looks way better right now from like his just general production on the year. Mm-hmm. I I think Gant's the guy to own yeah. right there more than Martinez. And I mean, he is if owned Martinez, now. I would take them both. That'd be the safest way to that do that. That is absolutely the right way to do it. And I mean, there there is talk that Andrew Miller's also could be involved based on his historic numbers, but he's having such yeah. a horrid season. Yeah. To me, he's the irrelevant one in this particular yeah. thing. But if this turns into a committee, if you have both of them, they shouldn't hurt. Right. Because Carlos Martinez, over the last couple of years, you're expecting a low threes ERA from him mm-hmm. in general, so he shouldn't hurt you no matter what. But I could see both of them getting save opportunities, and it's good to own them both because if one of them owns the job like Gant has the very clear possibility to do so, then he instantly gets the flip to being more valuable. Right. Because I like him more than Martinez going forward anyway. Same. What other keepers are we thinking? Uh, I mean, that, that's most of the big guys I have for keepers this week. I, I mean, I think we kind of had, we talked a lot about the people returning and who we like as keepers going forward. I think all of those people that are coming off the IL that we talked about last week are mostly ownable in all mm-hmm. circumstances. Like, obviously, John Carlos, Danton Judge, mm-hmm. even Upton and stuff from a few weeks back. But I think mostly, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how a lot of those guys shake out, especially Altuve, who I think has some risk there. He's the one I'm most willing to trade. Right. You need to, if, in other words, which you just should just listen to last week's episode if you got one of these dudes that just came off the DL, because we covered yeah. them all pretty much. That's true. Probably worth a listen, especially if you're at all confused. So Yeah, we got some good tip, tips on what to do there. But I got one more. I'm going to stay with the Cardinals, and I think it's Goldschmidt. I, I want to echo that to keep him and to even trade for him. On the preseason, I was dogging him, and I think that's legit because his decline is real. He shouldn't be drafted like that it. high. And, uh, I mean, his advanced profile still looks very good, but it's not elite like it was and on the season he's got 45 runs scored 14 homers 31 rbis batting 256 i think i put him somewhere in somewhere in the hundreds he's ranked on the season uh not what you're looking for when you draft him in around 30 and then on the past 30 days he's back in the 200s it's just this is a great time to trade for him and i think that'd be very legit you to get the guy batting him before azuna and batting third in the cardinals lineup solid um I think it was a bad idea to draft him that high, but now that you can trade for him and get him more, I think, around fifth or sixth value draft pick-wise, I think he's a keeper in that sense. So go ahead and snag him. But if you invested that high of draft pick in him, I, I wouldn't be trading him back. You just got to ride with it um, based on your team structure. So 
there's worse things you can do than invest in him. Yeah. I'm feeling more I'm feeling happier that I drafted him than I am Altuve. You're so surprisingly right. Like I don't know. I definitely think Goldschmidt is a guy that's surprising how much he did regress because I liked him going into the season just as much as most of his ratings were. I thought he was definitely worth that draft stock. But you're you're right. I mean, he's only hitting 256 on the season. I mean, his power numbers look okay from a usefulness standpoint for sure. The RBI should come up a little bit once his batting average comes up a little bit. You can't forget how slow he was to start last season. Everybody's like, oh, but, but last season he was a first-round draft pick, and everybody's like, oh, my gosh. And then he turned it on, and he was like, okay, I finished the season as a second-round draft pick. And this week, now we're drafting him as a third, and he's really struggling. And I bet you he bounces back with a strong finish and finishes around a fourth-round draft pick or something. Yeah. So if you can trade a six for him, I think that's solid. Yeah. I would say if you yeah, if you're if you're getting like a something around that mid round draft pick from the original drafts for the trade, yeah, it's probably fine. I, I guess my just comparison is a little different. That I think there's so many first basemen that have intrigue and free agency and in the low acquisition rate that I just don't find him as intriguing. So he's a guy that I don't know if I'd want to trade for just because I think there's more value efficient options out there, but. Yeah, I mean, if you if you get one of those middle round picks and you get a good value on them, if you can get like a sixth round pick in the exchange, I, I I don't think that's too bad. Give up a six for Paul Goldschmidt, I think that'll help your team in the long run. Yeah, and you may have to combo a six and an eighth. Sure. Yeah, I think it'll still be worth it. Yeah. The only thing that I'm sad because there's on, so much value out there. Yeah, there is. So you want to get that little bit above just free agent kind of good season value. Mm-hmm. Because that's what it comes down to in the fantasy playoffs is who can put the best lineup out there, period. Yeah. For short-term and a long-term season. So it's a very different approach. And you want to have the best players. So if you have three good, you know, eighth-round-esque value players and you can trade them up for a fourth, that's big big time. Because now you open up your lineup to fit more of those good, solid dudes in there. Mm -hmm. So Yeah, I can't disagree. You do want to trade up as much as possible to get consistent talent. I just hate to see the slump from Goldschmidt where he's only hitting two twenty eight and four home runs recently. But And then the stolen base is being completely gone this year. I was hoping to see like two or three trickle in yeah. by this point. That kind of sucks. So and That's why I was dogging on him on, on preseason. Yeah. This is what I thought we would get. But now that he's where I thought we should, where I thought he was going to be, you can trade for him for cheap. That's why I like the 30-day slump he's in. It makes him like, meh. Yeah, I'm feeling pretty meh on Paul Goldschmidt. Cool. So no more keepers on your end? Nah, no more keepers. All right, all right. So then we go K to the S, and that's the sleepers. And sleepers are always one of our favorites because we buy into so many people, and we're so accurate on this this season that it's incredible. Um, And that's why we're winning. So thank you for listening, and please take our advice because... We're winning. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. If you land on your first couple it. top picks and then you use the free agency, that is the easiest way to consistently always improve your team yeah. is by riding these hot hands, getting these middle-tier guys that are like in the hundreds of people cut due to injury, get to, get to them one week before other people want them, automatically improves the value of your team yeah. instantly. I, I love them. And I know you stumbled into a couple of just random competitive leagues that are above average on competitive level, but... Mm-hmm. I know I'm in a very competitive league, and we're telling you what we're doing in those leagues, and we're winning. So if you're following along, then you're winning. Yeah. 
And it feels good yeah. to give you that advice. It does. We're not wasting your time and we're not wasting our time. <laughs> it's true. All the way around. And that being said, we're going to re... I think we're both, and we don't plan together, but I think we're both going to agree on this next statement that my number one sleeper, and it's just one of the biggest atrocities in baseball, in fantasy baseball this year, and we've done it, like, he's been on my sleeper list, I think, like, four or five times this season. Mm-hmm. Christian Walker. Yes. I don't understand it. I don't understand it whatsoever. How many hot streaks do you have to have that we keep talking about you until it's just a good season? You look at him right here on his, at this point in this season, he is simply better than Paul Goldschmidt in all aspects of baseball. Right. Coming from the same park that he used to play in, where he was getting these stolen bases, where he's hitting the home runs. He's getting the playing time. The John Lamb problem that we both had with him early on in the year where it was like, I don't know, that's completely out of the way. Guaranteed that's not getting in the way from him anymore. Jake, right? Jake Lamb, I'm sorry. Yes, no, you're good. right. That's good. Mr. Lamb. <laughs> Mr. Lamb. <laughs> Who has not been great. <laughs> His advanced stat profile hasn't really dipped the whole season, even in the slumps that he was in. Right. I, great contact all season long. I don't get it. 14.9% barrel percentage with a 91 exit velocity, f- expected slugging percentage of over 500 at 534, and a hard hit percentage at 51%. That is so good. And he's owned in less than one quarter of Yahoo leagues. Nice. That is Season so long, painful. yes, clearly I would still like to have Goldschmidt. Oh, over Christian Walker. But yes. that's not what we're saying. Correct. We're saying there's 10, 12 teams in your league. Goldschmidt's probably tier three or four of all f- first basemen in my head, just ranking him randomly. Mm-hmm. And Christian Walker's probably eight or nine. I, I would have yeah. to look at a list, but that's where I have my gut feeling about him. And that's fitting in Hunter Dozier somewhere, yeah. who I have slotted above Christian Walker. Mm-hmm. And Reese Hoskins is probably my number one still. Freddie Freeman's up there. Rizzo's up there. Both are good. Um Abreu's up there, but I probably like him more than. Oof, do I like him? I don't. I don't like him more than Abreu, probably. But, but anyways, nonetheless. But it gets a closer debate than what you'd it's, even think. It's close like, because Arizona's putting up tons of stuff. He's batting behind Cattell Marte. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's going to jump over Eduardo Escobar because that's a guy that doesn't make sense. That's had success in Arizona's lineup this year, and uh, he's going to be hitting there in the middle, and he's going to be hitting in Arizona all season long. I just don't think it's even that bold a claim to say, I think Christian Walker is within 10% of every stat contributed that what Paul Goldschmidt will do this season. It might be 10% lower, but like, I don't think it's going to be extreme. It's not going to be extreme by any means. I think he can still hit 80 RBI this year. Mm -hmm. I think he can hit 25 home runs easy. And then, I mean, maybe Goldschmidt hits like 28. That's the thing is Goldschmidt's going to be in an RBI opportunity just because he's for sure batting third all season long. And, in a better lineup. And he's the more proven hitter. You still got yes. the strikeouts that Christian Walker deals with that Goldschmidt doesn't because he's a just better hitter. Yeah. I imagine Goldschmidt's 90-plus RBI for sure right. on the season. He'll probably be over 100 even though it's a slow start at this point. Right. And then his batting average, I think, is going to be, I mean, probably close to like 260 like it is now. I mean, it's maybe a little high at 269, but it's not crazy. Yeah. I, so I think he's just way under owned. Yeah. That is insane, 24%. Hunter Dozier is sad at 69%. Christian Walker is insane at 24%. I, 
That's one. I don't know what he's not giving you. <laughs> I don't understand. That. I don't know why someone looks at that breakdown on the year, just basic stat profile, and they're like, "Don't want it." I'm just trying to think of all the first basemen that are just wasted on people's rosters that this guy's outperformed the entire time. Exactly, like Joey Votto. Oh, easy. <laughs> if you told me right yeah. now, Christian Walker, Joey Votto, who has a better rest of the year? I might go Christian Walker. I could. Just, be, just because I think his stat profile yeah. will be more balanced. I mean, Votto probably in batting average, I'm going to say pretty almost certainly. But everything else, I don't know. It's up for debate. Right. Right. I mean, if I were to take one or the other, of course, I'm probably still taking Votto. But I'm just saying you get Christian Walker for free. There you go. Yeah. I love him. Yeah. I completely agree. If 24% is just insane. Dumb. His advanced stats just look so good. But anyways, okay. I got a sleeper here, and it's a guy I was, I think he was on my creeper list and probably even mentioned on the preseason. And uh, But now, at this point in time, it's kind of like the Goldschmidt thing. You can get Goldschmidt cheap for a third-round draft pick. You can get an Odor for free now. Yeah. <laughs> for free. <laughs> uh, couldn't have had a worse start to the season. I never would have drafted him. No. Because he was where you can still get very good value in a draft. Those are the rounds where very good managers make make their money. Mm-hmm. Um, but Odor on the season, just a horrible stat line. <laughs> horrible. 34 runs scored, 10 homers, 36 RBI, 7 stolen base, and batting 175. That's just so bad. But he's a second baseman in Texas, and he should be the uh, Andrews. Like, Andrews' stat line should be flipped with Odor's <laughs> right now. Yeah. Because you look at that. the advanced stats, and like as bad as Odor's been, his profile still looks better than Andrews's. Except for two things. One, his strikeout percentage is stupid at 31.8%, and that's even above his career. So you'll see that regress down a little bit. He'll, he's not a disciplined hitter, but he's better than that. Yeah. And then people don't like Babbitt. I love Babbitt because that is, cause baseball is fluky sometimes. Mm-hmm. And Babbitt to me is, which is batting average on balls in play, that is the... I think the best stat for measuring luck in baseball. Yes. And you look at his BABIP at 218, and he's a career like 275, 280 BABIP um, hitter. These balls just aren't falling his way. Um, And that, that's, that, uh, you look at his expected batting average on advanced profile, it's still pretty pitiful. So I'm just factoring in the BABIP, and his average, plus when he starts striking out less, is going to climb up. Mm -hmm. And he's a potential 2020 dude. That's what everyone thought coming into this season. And although I am definitely not in love with him, no. for the low, low price of free... Because I knew this could happen. Yes. I knew this could happen. That's what we said on the off season. But here we are now, and it's like, well... There's a point when you look at a stat line for career versus the season, and very few people find a way to play this far underneath what their ceiling is without some level of improvement... I think he's just simply due for improvement because this is as bad as it gets for mm-hmm. anyone in the major mm-hmm. leagues. And I don't think he, he's a guy that they're going to send down. And he's getting at bats. Yeah. And I think it's just going to turn around eventually. And so I don't know when that'll be. I'm waiting to see some life personally. But I think from a value standpoint, he is interesting. Yeah. Because his preseason rankings are always going to be looking over people's heads for whenever a hot streak comes, people might start believing. And even if he doesn't, yeah, I'm willing to give him a shot. I mean, 42% owned, and you could probably trade, like, a kitten for him. Yes. Literally any player on your roster, you can send a trade for me, and I wouldn't be offended personally. Right, because that person just wants to say, well, I, at least I got some value out of it, and it's not totally lost. Yes. And then you play him in a couple of weeks, and, you, and he's like, oh my gosh, Odor just had, 
you know, two stolen base and a home run against me, I hate him because I because <laughs> I drafted him and he sucked. Like it can happen tomorrow yeah. because he has the physical tools to be very good. Yeah. So he's interesting. I can't I, say I'm in love. I'm not in love by any means, but, but now but I know that's not what you're saying. Right, right. Yeah. Cool. Here's a dude I am in love with, though, since I got the floor. And it's one of the most underrated catchers and just another criminally managed thing when it's catchers are so bad this season. Yeah. And I do expect regression with James McCann. But if he regresses, then he's still one of the better catchers in fantasy sports. Yeah. And you look at his advanced profile, and it's impressive. It's not like Navarra's for um, whatever team he even plays for, Seattle. Um, I think that's right. Yeah. And, you know, you look at his advanced profile and you're like, well, he's going to regress based on what he's done. And he's not that good. So he's probably not even going to be manageable for a while. But McCann has just been awesome. 31 runs scored, 7 homers, 22 RBIs, 4 stolen base. That is the most insane regression to me. I don't understand why he's got 4 stolen bases. <laughs> just hearing a catcher with a stolen base, a stolen base, I'm right. like, wow. Okay. Well, you look at like sprint speeds and Alfaro for Miami, you're like, okay, I see 4 stolen bases because he's way fast. Mm-hmm. You look at McCann and you look at his sprint speed and it's like, <laughs> oh, he's not. He's faster than Winker, but that's it. <laughs> and then... <laughs> and he's batting 328, which the batting average will regress as well. But it's going to regress somewhere close to 300, 290. And that's pretty good for a catcher. That's and excellent. he's batting cleanup for the White Sox. With talent in that lineup. Yeah. Now. I mean, inconsistent, but talent nonetheless. Right. So why isn't he owned in more than 53%? Doesn't make any sense. No. I was staring at him as well. I didn't know whether to bring him up. But clearly, I think he's undervalued. Yeah. No matter what the debate is, he is being under, under-owned right yeah. now. That he's... That he's owned less than Buster Posey. And other names. Just any, oh, any 90% names. of catchers. Like the, there's like 50 dudes, it feels like. I know I'm exaggerating. Right. It feels like 50 dudes are owned at 30 to 40% and none of them have done anything all year. Yeah. Or it'll be like one week of awesome play and then they fall off the radar. Mm-hmm. But people aren't correcting the ownership patterns of these catchers no. because they just think it's all bad out there. McCann is the exact example why you should be picking up the people that are worth picking up. Yeah. Like, like he's season-long looks like a legit like offensive product producer at catcher. Yeah. yeah. Like, you look at his advanced stats and everything, and he's, he's going to be solid. I'm sitting here thrilled that I have Yasmani Grandal, and that remains true. But I'm sitting there at 273 or 74 with his batting average. I'm feeling ecstatic. Yeah, Grandal's one of the top three catchers. You got him, that, that changes the, you know, it changes McCann's the whole, not so crazy. But but McCann is a guy for free, is hitting way better than him from a batting average standpoint, and still providing power and stolen bases? I mean, it's just insane that he's not owned in more leagues. In such a weak, completely desolate position these days Mm -hmm. it's just hard to imagine that he's still out there but he is don't understand it what else you got you got any more sleepers yeah uh i got a few guys we kind of mentioned a few of them with john gant and uh, hendrix i completely agree with both of them being absolutely must own people i like them both a lot but um there's two more and one of them is going to be a bit more of an honorable mention to be fair but it's jesus luzerato Lazardo from Oakland. I'm sure we're far off, but I like it. They're starting pitcher prospect. Um, He's currently owned in 31% of Yahoo leagues, and that's, to be fair, maybe a little bit high at this point. But he is the highest-rated prospect for a left-handed pitcher that I mentioned, I think we mentioned a little while ago in the prospect 
um, segment we did. Okay. But the reports are starting to come out, um, according to CBS, that I guess they're reporting off of MLB.com, but that he's going to be debuting immediately after the All-Star break. So to give you a time on that guy, I definitely have him as an intrigue in the watch list here. And there was a chance he was going to make the athletics lineup anyway um, to start the season, but he had a, a shoulder injury. Okay. So he's rehabbed from that. He's back. He's pitching in AAA right now. And then they're just waiting to bring him up at the, um, in the, the beginning of the second half. So as soon as you start seeing that timeline get a little closer, that is when you should pick this guy up. So I, I think he's excellent. He is one of the highest graded fastballs that I've seen from any prospects I've been looking at since the beginning of the season at like a 65 rating, which right is really good. So he's got Oakland to back him up. And Oakland, yep. So I don't know of many prospects that don't pan out in Oakland because they know how to it's friendly home grow and they home grow well. So not a lot of pressure, not a huge market. Mm-hmm. And I think they treat them well. So right, I think he's great. Um, when he comes up. Okay. So 31% is too much for a guy that's going to not be coming back till the second half, but I think he's exceptionally talented and I have my eye on him for sure. Cool. Um, another guy is Zach Galen, and this is a guy you should hop on the train right now for. Owned in 52% of leagues right off the bat, which is surprising to me from Miami pitcher who mm-hmm. just isn't going to get wins because they don't score runs. Yeah, that sucks. But so far in his first start, he had five innings pitched, 1.8 ERA, 1.4 whip, which is a little high. Um, five innings pitched and six six Ks against St. Louis, which is good to see. But the real true thing that's really exciting is he's 23 years old, but he was in AAA this year, and his numbers were outstanding in 14 starts. So a large enough sample size to really know what he was doing, but a 1.77 ERA, .71 whip, and 112 Ks to 17 walks. Nice. Whew. That puts you in an outstanding position coming up into this Marlins team while Pablo Lopez is on the IL to make instant impact, and I think he is absolutely a must-own right now while he's pitching so good, and he has all that talent behind him. Pick cool. him up. Starting pitchers. I got a lot of them this week. So Talent behind him? <laughs> I, I guess I, I, I was I guess referring to his arm, not necessarily okay. the team. <laughs> okay. Uh, I was just empowering scared. his stats. I thought but, something changed in Miami that no, I had no, missed. No, no. <laughs> that was unclear. You are correct. Okay. I, I did not, by any means, reference the power of the Miami offense back to okay. him as a pitcher. That okay. is incorrect in every ounce and respect that's possible. Cool. I guess Cooper's a little <laughs> interesting, <laughs> but he is a interesting six hitter in most lineups, not a three hitter, and that's not enough to carry a whole lineup. So pitiful, pitiful. All right. Who else are we? Who else are we sleeping on? Uh, that's all the sleepers I got this week. I, I think I want to just really echo Hendricks from what you were talking about. Yeah, Hendricks, excellent choice. He's outstanding. Please pick him up. Yeah, and then Gant I think is the more interesting of the St. Louis guys. Yeah, both awesome. Cool. That takes us to the last letter of our KSC podcast, which is our Twitter handle, I think, and then our Instagram is like KSC period podcast. And I probably just yelled at you, so I'm sorry about that. <laughs> Period! <laughs> Period. Um, so, our last, I guess, initial, or letter, or whatever have you, C is for creepers, who yes. are scary people. I only have two left to talk about, because I've already bashed Trinan, who I didn't, under- I, I didn't understand last season, and then even off last season, I said, please, he's not as good as what you can get elsewhere, or as safe. And this is why, because... Oh my gosh, right? You, I hate shoulder. I hate shoulder stuff anyways. Oh, that's scary. I don't know if it's more of a cop-out because this guy isn't doing well, so let's give him that and then shut him down for a while. 
Could be that. It doesn't seem like anything terrifying, but... It could be. Uh, ugh. You feel bad if you drafted him as high as a third, fourth round pick with people were giving up. Even second in some competitive leagues with too much emphasis on relief pitching, but... Who you got here creeping on? Um, I, I got a few guys. Uh, like you said, I, th- I think I had Goldschmidt on my radar a little bit, but I, I didn't really want to talk to him about him too much. I think one of the guys that I'm just willing, willing to cut ties with, and you happen to mention it before this as well, Will Myers. He's owned in 63% of leagues at this point. Uh, over the last 30 days, he's hit 195, 13 runs scored, which isn't too bad, all things considered. Two home runs, five RBI, and five stolen bases. You love to see five stolen bases. That's pretty good for him. Mm-hmm. But on the season, he's hitting 219, 11 home runs, 24 RBI and 9 stolen bases. So what I'm saying is he's putting up some of the counting stats and his batting average damage is just worse than I expected. I expected him to put up a, like about a 240 batting average as the floor for him. I thought he was, he's was he been underachieving most of the seasons. And I think it'll come up a bit as the season goes along. But I just don't think he's worth holding on to based on the difficulties that he's going through right now. Mm-hmm. If you can claim him once he starts playing better again, absolutely go for it. Um, but I think I'm willing to clear roster space with him myself. And then he's had injury problems in the past as well. So who knows how many games you get out of him this year. There's always a risk of getting hurt. Yeah. Being a little elevated in comparison to other players with him. So I think that's a little too high. Considering there's certain people like Avisail Garcia that we talked about in ad nauseum yeah. previously. That's far more valuable. Um, third base class isn't super weak or anything Mm-mm. in fantasy either. So I think there's just a lot of better options out there for you. Yeah. I think he's safe to cut. I did cut him in my league, and uh, I think there's a couple things you watch out for because he is a fantasy difference maker. So if you see him go on a hot streak, it's probably not a hot streak. It's probably him returning to normal, and he'll finish the season that way. So pick him up and and hold on to him. Um, that's one reason you pick him back up. And then the other reason is as soon as you see a change of scenery, whether it's him getting traded to another team or one of those log-jammed outfielders being Fran Reyes or Hunter Renfro... Um, if they get dealt, then it's an, that's also another uh, indication. Let's pick him up because if he gets regular playing time and it's not such a weird hit or miss who's going to be in the lineup deal. I mean, and why it matters is because Will Myers on is a week changer. He can win a week by himself. Uh, he's got the sure. potential. So. so do keep an eye on him, but I agree. At this point, there's just no reason. So... It's going to be tough. Yeah. What else you got? Um, I think the other one I have is a guy that's it's kind of an unfair to call him a creeper, but I just want to say I don't believe. And that's in Bobby Bradley, the Cleveland first baseman prospect that got called up. Mm-hmm. He seems just like a worse version of Matt Olson, who I like far better. I like Christian Walker far better. This guy's only going to be eligible for first base in DH. It doesn't seem like there's any way they could even stick him out in left field because his foot speed is so bad. He lost weight in the offseason or in the minors. Um, allegedly, to try to get him into better shape so he could run a little better, but it just doesn't seem like it's working out. And the way they, they describe him in the, a lot of the, the reviews of him is he's one of the three outcomes players where it's strikeout, home run, or walk. That's pretty much what he gives you. And so those players are hard. I'd say if you're going to make a pie chart, like the obese eater is going to be getting a strikeout. <laughs> yeah. He's uh, sitting there probably at like a 40%, 35% strikeout. Even in the minors, he's striking out above 30% of the time. Yeah. I mean, his walk rate should be good, which it does help. I think but he, in standard leagues, you don't even get credit for on-base percentage. Yeah. So all you're dealing with is a low batting average. I'm pretty sure, though, that on the season, he has like 90 strikeouts to like 18 walks for the for the AAA this year. 
batting 292. Yeah, so his batting that, average was higher in the minors, which is surprising. It's not that high, though, for a triple A. No. You're, you're not Translate looking at him. Translate to the pros, it's going to be like 240. Yeah. And I think that's what you're going to get, if not worse, because he's young. Yeah. And it's the first time up, and I don't have a lot of confidence in general with him from a prospect level where there's if, not a lot of rave reviews. If he jumps Christian Walker's owner's rate, then that just... It, that's just prospect hype being stupid. Yeah. So I, he's just a guy I don't believe in. So I'm gonna, I want him to prove it to me first. Just because I could see him easily having weeks where you're getting no hits from him at all. Yeah. And I, although his power does look super legit, I'm not willing to buy in yet. Sure. And he, early going, he looks fine for Cleveland, but I just don't think it's going to last very long once people learn how to pitch to him. Sure. Okay. Okay. How about you? You got, a, you got a creeper? I got some creepers that people probably won't be happy to hear about. And one is just Kirby Yates. Not because Ooh. anything he's done has been fake. He has been amazing this season. Yeah. 33 innings pitched, 54 strikeouts to 9 walks, a 1.36 ERA. And i just like to look at the FIP again to see how legitimate is it. 1.31 FIP, which would suggest even lower ERA. FIP is uh, fielding independent pitching, which is just an advanced way to look at it, and I think it's the most accurate advanced set for pitching. And a .909 whip, um, been awesome. But I also think he gets dealt at 32 years of age, and usually rentals don't take over the closer gig to the team they're getting traded to because the team they're getting traded to is very good, and they probably already have a good established closer. So that gets a little bit tricky because usually they become a setup man, and at 94% owned for Kirby Yates on the season he's put together, you hate to see him all of a sudden just become irrelevant as a setup man. And not irrelevant, he'll still help, but you're taking that risk. Because I think he does get traded on this season, and sure, he could still maintain his closer role in the next team, but there's a risk that he doesn't. Whereas right now, you could package him to pretty much, closers have such value. You could package him and get something so crazy. You could get something so good. You could probably get a first rounder. If you package him with like a third round hitter or something like that. Yeah. And oh. and for that reason, he's a creeper to me. Not for anything he's done. I think he's been one of the best relievers in baseball. But there's just such a chance that you can go from a guy that has so much value to a guy that now has Ryan Presley value. <laughs> it's true. I can't disagree with you at all. No. And that is the sadness of the closer rule. Yeah, it all does change with situations. Because although like some of these relievers should be owned in more leagues because they give such good production numbers, it's just if you don't get that counting stat that you're looking for with saves for them, it just decreases their value by such a large mm -hmm. margin because it's its own category. Mm -hmm. So I agree with you. But that's why. And if you want to stick with Kirby Yates, I'm not going to blame you. But I wouldn't. <laughs> But <laughs> Yeah, I can get behind that. And here's the one people really aren't going to like. And I've just never... I haven't understood it for the past couple years. And then he ended up putting together a pretty good finish to last season to redeem it. Because he didn't start out well in that season either. But he's so meh to me. And that's Andrew Benintendi. Yeah. He, he's a guy that just for has... Third a... round value? There's just nothing that screams it to me. No. He's just so meh. He was interesting because there was a, this possibility of a breakout. Like, he was young enough to where you're like, ooh, he had a, such a good s season in a lot of aspects. Maybe, just maybe. 
He puts it all together and gives you extra stolen base numbers or extra home runs or his batting average takes a spike in this great Boston lineup. But with the, you're right, with the Boston lineup struggling the way it has, it hasn't enhanced his numbers the way I think a lot of people expected. He's played fine-ish, but nothing jumps off the page. Right. He looks like just general vanilla outfielder. There's just so many outfielders. I don't understand. Like, I look at him and David Peralta, and I don't see anything different. <laughs> and I, I don't think I've heard one person talk about David Peralta in a way other than, yeah, he's fine, I guess. Mm-hmm. I mean, you look at his advanced profile. He doesn't hit the bar hard. He doesn't hit the ball hard. And he doesn't hit the ball hard often. And he's got eight stolen base on the season, sure. And he's just a natural base dealer because his sprint speed isn't even that high either. So it just... So you look on the season, and he's just so meh. Like, 40 runs scored, 7 home runs, 36 RBIs, 8 stolen base, batting 277. And how much improvement is there? Because he's not really a home run hitter. And his home runs are saved because he's playing in Fenway. And when you look at his, you know, oh, 277, well, maybe people are bat- picking him because he's like a Marcakis with a little bit more counting stats and it's no because his batting average is the fluke number where i was talking about the babbit he's batting 351 which is higher than his career so he's even getting luck on the balls in play hmm. so i just i don't dig it i would be dealing him i wouldn't have been drafting him i don't know third round pick <laughs> it hurts man i don't get it it hurts i just don't so, I don't know what you do with that situation. Is what value do you actually have to trade him away? I guess you just hope he goes on the, the streak he did at the end of last season. Because he was very, very, very good. I don't know. That's all the creepers I got. You got any more? Um, I just got one one more. And mm-hmm. that's uh, Chicharinos from oh, yeah? Houston. He's owning 67% of leagues. More and than I- McCann. Yes, and I just think that he might be the most egregious catcher that I've seen from an owning standpoint versus a production standpoint. He has hit 12 home runs, so let's be very clear. But let me just put this in perspective, side by side, or side by side. His numbers look so eerily similar to Roberto Perez, who's owned in 19% of leagues and was expected to be and is, I guess, the current 638th player. The only thing that separates him is runs scored and RBI that, because of the Houston lineup. And so that will remain there, which is a, a true fact. But I think there's players just out there like McCann that you talked about or like Mitch Garver that I just think are going to give you more mm-hmm. from a batting average standpoint. And especially Garver because he's going to have the Minnesota lineup that isn't much worse than Houston's this year, surprisingly, from the way that they've been able to score runs. So I don't know. I mean, you might get a little less playing time with Garver, but that's also been injuries for the main reason why, and he's looking like he's more healthy now. So, I don't know. I just think he is owned in too many leagues based on his average production of around, like, 238 batting average and just above average run scored for catcher. Yeah. I don't know. He seems really vanilla, and 67% so much for who he is. Yeah, I mean, it's just one of those weird percentages in fantasy baseball where people are just... Houston's a great team. Oh, their catcher is putting up <laughs> numbers. Then this is it. I got my catcher for the season because he's an Astro. And it's like, no. Yeah. And I mean, like you said, the more egregious one is Buster Posey. But 
Yeah. 77% and only hit 239 yeah. with three home runs, 18 RBIs and 18 runs scored and a, the one of the worst offenses in the league. Yeah. That's not going to change, at least not the supporting stuff. 77% of those managers are playing uh, as if it was still 2005 or something, I don't know. Living in the glory days. The glory days. That's all the creepers I got. That is uh I think all I got as well. Which takes us to our uh our, our fun segment because this is for people like, hey, we hate Paul strategy for sure. <laughs> who can true. I play? Who, <laughs> who can I stream Let's this next week too. in my head-to-head um, <laughs> categories and, and get a pitcher that's got two starts for the value of one? And uh, we, we take our risk. We pick guys that aren't owned very much, so you can take the risk with us if you want, or with John, because I'm not going to do this. I just like to participate. Yeah. And it's uh, our double plays, the pitcher that gets two starts next week. And um, I'm excited to see if you agree with this one because it may be some bias here. And it's a hometown favorite, Tyler Molly. He's my favorite guy that you can get for cheap next stream next week. I he was on my list as well. I mean, there, there's just not that many people that you can double start that have clearly low own percentages. Because mm-hmm. what we're doing this off of is CBSs, and they're a little more aggressive with a lot of their acquisitions based on when we're having this podcast. Yeah, their leagues kind of favor the starting pitchers, so we use those numbers. But Mally should be ownable in most of your leagues, and I do agree. I think there is some risk there, obviously, when you're taking a person that's only owning 12% of leagues. But he has one very favorable matchup. Yeah, I, I can't disagree with you. Two home games against Milwaukee, and then the second one against Cleveland. Uh, we don't know who's going to go up against Milwaukee yet, but Cleveland start, slated to go against Adam Plutko, who has a FIP of 6.19, which is over two points higher than Tyler Molly's FIP, um, which I like to see. And mm-hmm. he hasn't went five innings in the last two. So that sounds like a real nice matchup. And then and the Reds are starting to turn it on a little bit. I completely agree. And the nice thing is Malley goes deep enough into games consistently to where he's eligible for wins. Mm-hmm. Um, and his ex- his bad starts aren't going to shatter your whole week. Never. Like, usually the the worst you're going to see is a 10 ERA through five innings. And that that's, like, the worst he's had pretty much all the way through. Yeah. And he's coming off a good start. His last start was a seven-inning 2.57 ERA effort against Houston. So... He's coming off maybe one of his best starts of the whole season, which is also nice to see. Yeah. So I couldn't see anything really wrong. Yeah. Who's uh, your your dude? Um, my other one that I had is Logan Allen. So he is a young San Diego Padres starter with an unknown future based on how long he'll be in their rotation. But he's got a San Francisco start against Jeff Samarja, which you love to see at home in San Diego. And then one away start against Clayton Kershaw on the Dodgers. That's why I didn't. So <laughs> this, this got so ugly. And there is certainly risk. Yeah. And I, I will not try to say that this is a uh, go-to sort of thing for sure. But so far in the year, um, he did pitch today. And it was a six innings, three ERA, fine start. Like okay. nothing bad. He got the win, five Ks in it. But the game before, it was... Seven innings pitch, shutout, win, with a .71 ERA, 5Ks. Uh, he's been pitching well enough for me to consider that it might be worth the high-ish one game and then the spectacular Samarja game to still get the value from the K rate and then possibly get a win in there. I think it just might be safer to play him against the Samarja matchup and then see if you need him for the Dodger matchup later in the week and play it situationally. Okay, I like that. That's a good take. But... 
I like Allen. I think he's a guy that, while he's in the rotation, there is intrigue there, but it's in deeper league format sort of in- interest. And while he's double play, he does have a little bit more inherent value, yeah. which puts him on my radar. Well, my second, since it's double play, we always pick two people. My second one, and if anybody actually does this, it's just like, what situation are you in that this <laughs> is something you needed to do? <laughs> it gets a little dark when we're at the but five pitchers that have double starts and all of them are under 30% own rate. My second one was Wade LeBlanc, and I guess it was because he had a good last start, but <laughs> why would you ever do that? I don't know. It, Please don't, I guess, it, but that's, that was me fulfilling the segment. Yeah, the best you can come up with. Uh, I can't say that you're incredibly outrageous for that one. I mean, these are not the best. I love to be able to give you the ones that look really promising, and I, I'll try to be honest about these. I think we, we both try to, where we're saying, this is probably a little dangerous, <laughs> but if you need the innings pitched, if you want to dominate the K rate for a week, it's, not, I mean, maybe not the worst decision you could ever make, Yeah, but it is risky, especially this week. I think Mally has less inherent risk. But less upside. Allen has a little more upside for me with uh, definitely inherent risk on the, the Dodger matchup. Cool. That's all I have for the double plays. Me too. Well, this is the segment where I get to give you closing notes and we can wrap up our, our brief talk today. And uh, closing notes happen to be about closers. So our closing notes this evening... Well, we've talked about closers so much. What more do I have to add? (laughs) We have done a really good job giving closers their due this week. I'm kind of proud of us more than anything. So closing notes. I had to give you something different. A little tidbit. Just closing notes are something you keep an eye on. And this time I'm just saying keep an eye on Joe Biagini. Because Ken Giles is probably out the door in Toronto. I think he is getting dealt as relievers always change change guards at the trade deadline. And he's got some good value to him. And they know they're not going to compete this year or next year. And if he leaves, Joe Biagini is going to be the guy that's going to get some saves there in Toronto. So, closing notes as we close our segments. Very nice. Any last thoughts? Mm, Not too much. Um, I think that's about it for me. Right on. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. Catch us again next week and take our advice. And feel free to ask for advice. Yeah, anytime. Let us know. Use any of our social media outlets to try to get a, get a hold of us, and we'll try to answer some of those questions if we can see them. Perfect. See you later.